0: Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hi, friends. Welcome to Everyday Truth. Appreciate you coming back. Uh, We're in um, Mark chapter 11, if you want to take a moment and find your place there. Uh, Just an interesting passage of Scripture that we're in in this season, because we're in the last week of Jesus' public ministry, as we have said, and we have already talked about uh, the Palm Sunday. We've talked about the next day on the morrow. uh, Jesus gets up, he's going into the city, and he is passing by a fig tree, sees it from a distance, and he's hungry, wants to have some figs, but when he gets close to the fig tree, realizes there's no fig on it. Now, did Jesus know that ahead of time? Probably. But the point here is that he's teaching, using this whole instance as a teaching tool. And he tells the fig tree, speaks directly to the fig tree, and curses it. Let no fruit grow on you forever. And the Bible says his disciples heard him say that. So oftentimes Jesus teaches us and he does it in a time-released way. So the first part of the lesson is here. They're listening and they're going to see the end of that lesson later. So keep that in mind. Mark chapter 11, verse number 15. So we're still on this next day. So we would say this is Monday. And the Bible says in verse 15, and they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple. So interestingly, just the day before, he was in the temple. Remember the triumphal entry and the uh, crying of Hosanna, the Psalm 118, the riding on the cult, and the Bible says Jesus went into the city and looked around. We brought a whole applicational lesson about that, that Jesus, before he judges, he looks around. So now he comes back to that same place, that same temple, one day later. And watch what happens in verse number 15. So they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple. So the temple practice had become not unlike a mall atmosphere. Remember at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, so this would have been three years before this, Jesus had entered into Jerusalem early in its ministry, and he had cast out the money changers. He had driven out those that were buying and selling and making the uh, the uh, temple like a mall-like environment. He had overturned the tables of those that were selling the turtle doves and so forth, and we'll talk about that here in a, in a bit. So this is the second time that Jesus is doing this in his public ministry. He did it at the beginning of his ministry when he was claiming messianic authority over the temple. I mean, it is my father's house. Remember, Jesus said that, my father's house, which made himself equal with God because I am claiming to be the son of, having the nature of God. He had given them that enigmatic uh, promise back in John chapter 2 destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up again. And of course, he spoke about himself, but they didn't understand that yet. So this is now three years later, almost as a bookend to the ministry of Jesus saying, I still have authority. This is still my father's house. Uh, This the way that you do religion, the way that you do worship, the way that you are using this is not the way that God intended at all. So, what does he do? He cast them out. Remember, he made a little whip, and those that bought and sold, because the sellers are wrong and the buyers are wrong. Those that are participating in this are wrong. And then it says, and he overthrew the table of the money changers. So, obviously, back in Bible days, they were under Roman rule. In order to participate in the Roman economy, they had to use Roman coinage, which had the inscription of Caesar on it. And that would be sacrilegious to have the image of Caesar, who was actually called the son of God, to have that image brought into the temple. So in order to participate in the temple, to buy the turtle doves, to make a donation, to give the alms and all the other requirements, the tithe and so forth, one had to take his Roman coins and change them into the currency that was acceptable. So this, the money changers were more than happy to do that at an exorbitant price. So those of you that have traveled internationally, you know all about this. One thing I'll tell you is don't get your money changed at the airport. Why? Because that's where they charge not only a fee to do the exchange, but then they charge the exchange rate itself. So they charge you a fee and then they charge you the rate of exchange. So we're going to give you maybe 95% of what it's currently worth or not whatever. And this was just an exorbitant way by which they were taking advantage of people because people had no other choice. They they couldn't use this Roman money in the temple, so they were really at the mercy of these money changers that were just laughing all the way to the bank. And Jesus was watching this. And Jesus had been observing this his whole life. This had always been a grief to Jesus. And at the beginning of his ministry, he had cast them out and and whipped them, and and overthrew their tables. And now again, he is assuming the rightful authority to do the same at the end of his ministry. So the Bible says in verse number 15 that he overthrew the tables of the money changers. Think about that. Just picking that table up, uh, turning it over, all the coins just clinking and clanking all across the the stone uh, platform of that temple mount. And then the Bible says... And the seats of them that sold doves. Now, this is particularly disturbing to Jesus, no doubt, because the doves represented the sacrifices that were acceptable by poor people. So, if a family was so poor to make their sacrifice, they couldn't afford a lamb, the law of God made the provision that they could buy a turtle dove, and that would be less money. I find it significant that in Luke chapter two, when Joseph and Mary went to present Jesus at the temple, that's the story of Simeon and of Anna the prophetess. But when Jesus went to the temple to present, uh, to be presented by Joseph and Mary, they offered a sacrifice of turtle doves, which told me, hey, they're very poor. And the fact is, these religious leaders have created a system where they're taking advantage of even the most poor people, the the sellers of doves. The implication is that they too are charging exorbitant rates. And you can look at the writings of Josephus and others and find out that in some cases, they were charging 500% five times more than what you would normally pay for one of these animals just because some priest had blessed it and said, okay, this is acceptable for sacrifice. And of course, the priest was getting his cut. The seller was getting his cut. The money changer was getting his cut. And who is being, who is being taken advantage of? The people of God. So God was not being honored and people were not being served, which is really the, the whole purpose of the law is that we would love God and love people. And yet what was happening was that place, the temple, where the law should have been honored the most, was a place where it was being followed the least. And here's Jesus, the perfect fulfillment of the law. Here's Jesus, the the very essence of the law, not just just the, the externality of the law, not just don't do this and do that, but the very motivation of the law. Uh, The the purity that comes from the inside out and Jesus in all of his holiness and all of his purity as God in the flesh has seen the way by which this temple has been prostituted over these years. How very, very sad. Look at verse number 16. And he would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel to the temple. I mean, Jesus just took it upon himself to own that space. He wasn't letting anybody do anything that was not proper and right and in concert with what God would want for that space. So I see that Jesus is unilaterally taking the authority in that temple. Now think about it. Humanly speaking, he's a 33-year-old peasant man from Galilee there are temple guards there there are temple leaders there there are people from all over the world and yet Jesus there's something about his authority there's something about his passion. remember uh, Psalm 69 talks about the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up and that was the that was the commentary that was given of Jesus the first time he did this in John 2 that he did this with great passion. And great zeal, and he's taking this authority. Look at verse number, uh, verse number seventeen. Here's what Jesus said as he was doing these things, and he taught, saying unto them, "It is, is it not written?" So Jesus bases his authority on the word of God, which is where we ought to base our authority. Is it not written, "My house shall be called of all nations"? the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. So he quotes those passages in Isaiah and in Jeremiah. It's supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of thieves. You've made it a place where you're comfortable to sit together with other people that are taking advantage of the people that you're taking advantage of. This is the very opposite of what God intended. So think about it. It was to be a house of prayer. They missed that. They weren't communicating with God. They were using the temple to communicate with each other. It was like a mall. They weren't serving people. They were serving themselves. And it was not a den of holiness. It was a den of thieves. And thievery is a direct violation of one of the Ten Commandments. So wow, it's the very opposite of what God intended, and yet they're doing it in the name of God. They're doing it in the name of God's law. Did you see what else it said? That this shall be a house of prayer for all nations. Now, the Old Testament had prophesied that, and Isaiah told us that in Isaiah 56, but they were looking at the temple only as their special, unique possession. This is for the Jews So not only were they misusing the temple itself, but they were misapplying what the temple was for. And that was, this is the spot where God meets man and where God meets man, he wants to meet red, yellow, black, and white, old and young, rich and poor, male and female, Jew and Gentile, that this is the place for everybody to have access to God. And that's who Jesus is. And that's why he referred to himself as the temple, the temple of his body. Why? Because in Jesus, everyone potentially has access to God. He is that one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And when Jesus was taking such passion and such umbrage with what they were doing against the temple, really the point is this that you are, in many ways, Uh, You are misrepresenting God. You're misrepresenting the gospel. You're misrepresenting people's opportunity to come to God, the very purpose of God's presence on earth. And of course, Jesus is God's presence on earth. He is the incarnation. He is the express image of his person. He is God in the flesh. And not only did they miss the purpose of the temple, they missed Jesus, the very temple himself They missed him. So a lot there, just in those few short verses that we read. Mark 11, verses 15 through 17. I think we'll stop there. We'll uh, come back to verse number 18 next episode. Uh, Appreciate your faithfulness. Hope you'll join us for that. Until then, have a great day. God bless you. my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend.